0: I'm your host Jerica and welcome to She Has a Name Too, the show where we discuss the individuality of moms. Motherhood is an honorable and full-time job, but between the dishes and diapers lies a woman with her own hopes and dreams. Here we discuss the woman behind her title mother. This week my mom Brenda is joining me again. This time we're discussing the five love languages. She has spent a lot of time studying and understanding these languages, as described by Gary Chapman. Listen in as she shares how this knowledge has helped her in her relationships. So thank you for joining me um, so we can talk about the five love languages, because I think you're the greatest expert. (laughs) At least, I mean, at least that I know. Oh, Well, that's nice of you to say that. Can you help me go over what the five love languages are, and just kind of explain, give a little synops- synopsis of what each of the five love languages are.
1: Okay, so the five love languages has been popularized by Gary Chapman, and you can uh, pick up his books. He's got a website, and it's it's really great information. And uh, to find out your love language, there's also uh, tests online that you can take And we can have kind of a fun time taking those um, online tests. So just, I wanted to let people know where to get the information. And there's, um, so it's a set of uh, a theory that I bumped across years ago. And uh, so the five love languages are the basic ways that we feel loved or that sometimes you hear the analogy of filling a love bucket. And this love bucket uh, can contain words of affirmation and words of affirmation is the first one of Gary Chapman's love languages. And it would be the way that we respond to the things people say, and it would be something that you could do to show that you love someone is to write them a note and or send them inspirational quotes or give them compliments uh, send a text you know now back back in this when these books were first written we didn't have texting and um, facebook and instagram and all of those other social media uh, platforms and so now we we can have so many more ways of giving words of affirmation and the one thing that we need to watch out for is these can backfire on us. So if if I am a words of affirmation person and somebody just says a slight comment, it can really hurt my feelings. And this is just simply because I'm so sensitive to the words people speak. And so then the other one is physical touch. Uh, so physical touch, uh, for me growing up, I uh, didn't grow up in a home that was huggy or even uh, used the words, I love you. And so like I really had to teach myself how to love my children because it didn't come naturally to me, even though it might appear like it did. It's something that I actually developed on how to love my children and let them know that I love them because of the way that that I grew up in in this home that it it wasn't a bad home it was a I had a good upbringing but it was one of those um, homes that uh, my mom just felt that saying the words I love you too often was not a good thing Uh, she felt that you could overuse those words and she wanted to save them for special occasions and uh, physical touch she was not a huggy person and I think, you know, being alone, being a single parent kind of uh, did that, did a little bit of damage to her on that. But um, so she did her best. And so physical touch is one of those things where, you know, when you have a child who just wants to sit on your lap. And sometimes I've seen parents get agitated by that. They, they, I've heard them complain that oh my kid they just want to sit beside me and oh i'm hot just get off of me but this is actually them explaining that that's their love language and so they or they touch you or they slap you or they you know they they try doing these things just to get your attention and it's actually physical touch and um but it can change as they age. So, you know, a teenager doesn't necessarily want a big hug and kiss from his mommy when he's getting dropped off at school. It makes him a little uncomfortable. And, and so we need to change as our children grow. We need to change our love languages. Stop me if you have any questions on these. No, that's perfect. That's that's good. Oh, okay, good. So the the third love language that Gary Chapman has identified is... Quality time and this one's kind of a fascinating one to me because um, as I've prepared to talk with you today I've been reflecting on my children and I have seven kids and All of them have these different love languages and and I'm not always good at speaking all of their languages and sometimes with seven kids time with a child can be a little challenging and so uh, they, they like focused attention and I remember I was thinking, you know, how can you tell what a love language is uh, in a child? And uh, my son Bryce is very definitely a time. He, he really is a time child. And I was thinking about it today and I realized that one of the things that he would do as a two-year-old, when he would, I'd, I remember holding him in my arms and I would be talking with someone, and then, when he wanted to say something, he would take both hands, one on side on each side of my cheeks, and would turn my face to his, and and so that he could talk to me in that moment, so he knew I was paying attention to him. That's a sign of quality time, and uh, eating meals together and um, tucking them in at night is also. Uh, a very important part of having spending quality time with your child Uh, watching their favorite TV show diving into their world and getting to know them and um, also uh, stargazing is sometimes you think oh well you know we did all these fantastic things all summer long and and you'll get to the end of the summer and you'll ask your child what their favorite thing was and I listened to my husband and uh, our daughter on the roof the other day last week there was uh, a meteor shower and he took my daughter up on the roof and they just laid there watching the stars and that spending time with your kid that could actually be one of your most pivotal moments with your child is that that time spent together
0: mm-hmm.
1: and uh, so the next one is acts of service uh, acts of service, uh, as a parent, can be very challenging because we are always serving our children and taking care of them with, we cook their meals, we tie their shoes, we and we can feel exhausted sometimes. But sometimes, sometimes these acts of service are most important to that specific child. So things like helping them with a craft or preparing them their favorite snack after a bad day at school. You can help them finish a project. I remember one of our daughters was, uh, I was pressed for time. I needed to hurry up and get out of the school, and sh- but she was pressed for time as well and needed to finish this project. So I stopped my panic and I helped her through hers. And so that's spending t- um, that's an act of service in when you're spending the time with the kids. Also, listening when they want to talk, and listening to your kids is super important. Uh, love languages uh, of words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service; those all fall into listening to your kids when they want to talk. And I have adult children now, and I've I, I spread my myself between all of my children, and so sometimes you know, you feel a little stretched, but. But when a kid wants to talk to you, you need to listen because you never know what impact that's going to have in their life. Uh, also, helping your kids study for a test or teaching them how to cook a meal. You know, we spend so much time serving our children by cooking for them, but think about the long term effect of serving them by teaching them how to cook a meal. I, I've got kids, uh, both of my sons actually have. Really developed really good baking skills and they're starting to experiment. And I I think those are definitely things that that they learned in the time that we spent together in the kitchen. I would just give them a little bit of bread dough to play with, but they were involved in the process. And so acts of service can go a long way in your child's life. So the fifth and final act of serve, or uh, sorry, love language, the fifth and final love language is gifts. This one can be kind of perplexing at times, and uh, but it can actually be super simple. You don't need to give your child money constantly. It's more about, uh, sometimes it's about the presentation and uh, you could put a special snack in their lunch and I mean I don't pack my kids lunches, I expect that they pack their own, but if I were to slip a little special something into their, their lunch, they would know it was a gift from me. and. Um, we can also encourage them to give gifts to other people. These gifts can be uh, for Christmas presents, for people in need. I know my older children have had the opportunity to be a Santa's helper and be a part of delivering gifts to families in need. And so that kind of is a sum up of the love languages. Thank you for,
0: um, Thank you for summing those up so well. I think... You know, you went over, like, how to kind of tell a love language in your child and how we all have these different love languages, but I think what's interesting, especially with the receiving gifts one, is that if you don't have this love language, it can often be confusing, right? Like, you know, maybe someone who is a gift giver or prefers to be shown love through gifts you know, they could be marked as materialistic,
1: but that's not it at all, right? Right, and and they are flagged as materialistic in these situations. And um, even my dad, I had the experience when I was a teenager, I, I wanted to buy him dinner and he got really mad at me, and this is way before love languages, and he got mad at me and, and said, "'Don't you ever put me in that position again.'" And it was at that moment that I realized that that's how he shows love, and he did explain it to me that you know that he he buys me things because he loves me, and it can be a very confusing uh, language to either um, be a recipient of if that's not your language, or if uh, or trying to figure out how to give a gift without it being a materialistic bombshell.
0: Yeah, and I, I think just like knowing, I think knowing what the five love languages are and at least a little bit of the background, it can help you immensely in building these relationships with your family and with with even yourself, like knowing, knowing what you prefer in a relationship, right? Absolutely. <laughs> I always... Think about um, when we ex- when we visit extended family and stuff. I, as I've gotten to know my in laws and um, and more family members, that I notice their different love languages, and it. I just sit back as an outsider and watch, and I'm like, oh man, this knowledge could make such a huge difference if we know what our love languages and our kids' love language and our parents' love language. Um, if we know what our love languages are, it can make such a huge difference in how we treat each other and how we form like and how um and how strong our relationships are.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And you know, even those quirks I'm thinking about physical touch and what I mentioned about uh, people being irritated by their child always sitting on them. Um, or they want to sit on their lap or they, um, all of these things, even like a tap or a slap or it, uh, those are love languages, and, but they come off as a quirk. Mm-hmm. And if we can understand that quirk, uh, and sometimes we, it can work the other way. I've, I've had the experience of listening to my kids and, uh, they use words like you never spend time with me and in your head, you're thinking, but we just went on a family vacation. But obviously, it didn't hit their love language enough to to make it um, matter. And actually, that's something. I'm a quality time person. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'm multilingual, but quality time is one of my things. And I will use phrases like, you don't spend time together. I'll say that to my husband. We haven't had any time together. But it's because we haven't had one-on-one time. We've been with the family the whole time.
0: Right right and it's and it's the quality time too right it's like sure maybe we've spent 3 days together in a hotel somewhere right but it's like what have we been doing we've been sitting around doing nothing maybe right and we haven't been like we haven't been like doing activities i think quality time so often is like at least for me like cuz i'm a little bit of a quality time too that's part of my mix and it's like Kate, but I, if someone wants to spend time with me, I want it to be like good time. You know, I want to go to the park. I want to go for a walk. I want to like go hike or have a picnic or go swimming or something. You know, if we're just sitting around in the living room and they're talking at me, that is not quality time to me.
1: Right. And you mentioned going to the park and other people might have a quality time that's going to a hockey game together right yeah exactly and yeah so those those things are all different and uh the the one with words of affirmation if you're struggling to find out if your child is a sensitive to words well just think about their reaction when you say something negative yeah we've actually we've been starting to
0: notice that in ivy that when when we tell her like no, don't do that. Or, you know, and she can tell that she's in trouble. She gets very, she pulls back into herself. And she's just, (laughs) she puts up this wall and we're like, it's okay. Like, you're not really in trouble. We're just trying to, you know, but she's very sensitive to our words.
1: And she's also talking pretty early. So she is a words person.
0: Yeah, she is talking pretty early. And she's very, very, very cuddly. So I think she's a words of affirmation, physical touch kind of mix. And so it's like, it's just interesting. Like, I think it it makes life so much easier when you know these things about the people around you. And I think the five love languages are relatively easy to pick up on
1: with people. If you know what they are, absolutely. And, you know, just keep watching people and you'll you'll figure it out pretty quick. You don't need to take an online test. If you're paying attention, and that's one thing that is mentioned over and over, is listen to people. Listen to your children. Listen to what they say. Pay attention to them. Love is actually the key in all of this. Even if you mess up and you don't speak a perfect five love languages uh, type of lifestyle, people crisscross. They still will know that they're loved if you are Paying attention to them and and getting into their world and finding out their interests.
0: And I think most people are mixed. And I think and the other thing that I wanted to mention is that we we show love easier the way we want to receive
1: the love. Absolutely, and yeah, and sometimes that doesn't make sense to people. Like I'm I'm really not a gifts person. Uh, I will I loved that my dad bought me things. I, I learned to really, really enjoy that as a young mom with a low income. I, I loved the gifts that he gave me because he bought me an ironing board, even when I needed one and an iron. And I really appreciated those things. But oftentimes if somebody speaks the language of gifts to me, it kind of misses the mark. And because I don't, I don't want more stuff.
0: Ryan and I have talked about this a lot because on his side of the family, he has a lot of gift givers (laughs) that like that is their love language for sure. And sometimes it's like, you know, I, I, yeah, like you said, like, I don't want more stuff. And that's not like my main language. And if it's, you know, not something that I would buy for myself, then it's like, well, I'm grateful for the gift, like, obviously, but I have to remind myself that it's for the gift giver. The person who is giving the gift is the one who is benefiting most from the gift. And so I think just like being grateful and, you know, whenever someone sends Ivy a new outfit, it's like, okay, let's put Ivy in this outfit and look how cute she is. And, you know, and obviously we're very grateful for all these things, but sometimes, yeah, like, it's just, it does more for the gift giver than it usually does for the receiver if that is not the receiver's love language.
1: Absolutely, yeah. And that's what I liked about the suggestion to encourage a gift giver to give gifts to people in need because mm-hmm. it fills a need in both people. It, it Whether it's providing food for the person in need and then the gift giver gets to feel like they have loved someone today because it's important to have your love bucket filled every day, but it's also important to fill someone else's because it makes us feel good if we know we have done something good in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I think, I think that's what um, like knowing these love languages helps with. Because if I know that, say, my husband's love language is physical touch, If I know that, like, that's how he wants to receive love, then I know, okay, well, tonight, I'm not gonna sit down and watch a movie with him. I'll give him a massage, or I'll rub his feet, or, you know, like, and so it's like, when you know someone's love language, you're not just shooting in the dark and hoping
1: that they like whatever you do to show love, right? You have guidance. Yeah, you need that guidance and and you have to be able to crisscross because no one's ever just one thing, right? If if I'm out in the garden all day long, would I like a foot massage? Absolutely. Right? It's and then maybe I count that as spending time with the person who's massaging my feet. I think we covered like everything. <laughs> Yeah, it it really flowed. <laughs>
0: Thank you so much for coming on and sharing your love language wisdom because you have read like all the books and, you know, you're the first person that I heard it from. And um, And I know we did a lot of like activities as a family trying to figure out each other's love language. And I'm so grateful that I have that knowledge now with my own family and especially with my in-laws so I can like, you know, build relationships with them. I think it's a huge help. Yeah, I think it
1: builds unity. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> Thanks for having me on your show again.
0: Thank you for listening.
1: Join the conversation and stay up to date
0: on Instagram and Twitter at She Has a Name Too. She Has a Name Too is a production of MECO Radio, I, Jerrica Dennison, was your host and was joined by my mom, Brenda Oster. Huge thank you to my husband, Ryan, who entertains our baby while I record. This episode was edited by my brother, Alex Williams. Mecco.